Welcome to Flex Weather. This is Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. The podcast has returned. I was really hoping to do more episodes in the last month. It turned out to be a very eventful month for the Washington spirit, which is what this podcast concerns. Of course, the schedule for both the spirit and DC United, the other team I cover, really didn't allow me to do much of anything other than exist in that time. Uh, And it also felt important to start the show back up with the players being heard. And if you've been paying attention to the spirit or the league at all, the players have had a ton to say. This has been maybe the most important couple of months in NWSL history. And the players are the folks who have manufactured that moment. Uh, They really turned something that could have been just more bad news uh, into uh, a movement that seems to be changing things. Hopefully, Uh, I don't want to overstep. I'm not certainly not involved in the talks to any degree. But when the Players Association says that their demands have been met, you think, okay, that's a sign that things are hopefully going in a positive direction. Uh, Still a ton of work to be done. But as far as this podcast goes, I thought it was very important to focus during that time on getting players and hearing their voices, getting them on the show which uh, did, you know, it does come with a a little bit of constraint because players, after going through all that, don't necessarily want to go talk to, talk about it more. They've already, they've said their piece. It's kind of exhausting. It's an exhausting thing to talk about. I know covering it, thinking about it as a fan, all of that stuff, it is draining and the players had it the worst. So uh, it took a little while to get my schedule and their schedule all hammered out, but this episode does contain an interview with none other than the 2021 NWSL Golden Boot winner, Ashley Hatch. We talked about goal scoring. We talked about Halloween, uh, baking, shoes, uh, always shoes on this show. Uh, I'm sorry. If, if, if you don't want to hear about shoes, this is maybe not the podcast for you. And most importantly, I think things pertaining to the Players Association, uh, things that go into her job as one of the Spirit's team reps with the Players Association. Um, So uh, a nice, thoughtful interview, some fun stuff in there, uh, but also, you know, we dug into some serious stuff too. Um, So I'm looking forward to you getting to that part of the show. But before we get there, I do want to just kind of take a second to look around at where we are, because since the last episode of this podcast, so much has happened. The Spirit have absolutely gone off in terms of uh, results. Uh, They've been the hottest team in the league, like no contest, the hottest team in the league. If there were any doubts as to whether they were the hottest team in the league, they went to the other candidate for that role, beat them. Uh, that was OL Reign. And then they finished the season by beating the other candidate for the other, other team that had a claim for that, at least earlier in the month of October, was the Houston Dash, who came to Audi Field on the weekend and were defeated one nothing. The Spirit are now four wins, one draw, zero losses in their last five. They have not lost a game of soccer uh, under acting head coach Chris Ward. The only defeats they had during that time were never soccer games. Uh, these were the for- the COVID-19 related forfeits. Since then, the team has just really found some of the best form that they've had in years, arguably some of the best form they've ever had, period. And they are flying into the playoffs. They are in the playoffs. They finished third in the NWSL standings. They host the North Carolina Courage, who got into the playoffs only because the Spirit beat uh, Houston. 
Um, you might have seen the video circulating from the Courage players watching the game on collect, clustering around a cell phone to watch the end of the Spirit Dash game uh, at the Portland airport. So yes, they got in as a result of the Spirit beating the Dash, and therefore they will be coming to Audi Field Sunday, November 7th at 5.30 p.m. That's a game that's on Paramount Plus if you're in the U.S. and Twitch if you are not in the U.S. So make sure if you're in the DMV, get yourself to the stadium. I know the weather forecast is not super great. It's not what I would have liked. Uh, I think we got a, a beautiful sunny day for some of that game against the Dash. It was a weird one. If you if you watched on TV, I heard a lot of people saying that the the fact that the game would be very sunny or very cloudy was causing some color contrast issues that unfortunately are kind of a hallmark of broadcasts this year. I am looking now, though, my my weather app, as I'm saying this, I'm trying to double check myself in the middle of the podcast rather than checking this before I start recording, which is just a great policy. My weather app is now saying that Sunday will be a 0% chance of rain and just sunny, cool, uh, but sunny, uh, no rain. So definitely get yourself to the stadium. I was going to tell you, even if there was a chance of rain to get to the stadium, but now there's not apparently. So even all the more reason for you to be at Audi Field, it should be a good one. The Spirit and Courage have played a ton of games against each other. And even with the Spirit in very good form lately, one of their wins on this stretch of games was over the Courage. And it was kind of a gut check win. This was a game that the Spirit led. They kind of started to let the game drift away from them a little. Uh, The Courage got their equalizer. And it's one of those moments where you think, okay, maybe the balance of the play is going to shift. And the courage kind of, or the spirit, excuse me, kind of underlined their credentials as a contender by recovering from that and not just getting wobbly and starting to feel the pressure, but instead resetting themselves, getting back into the game. And they ended up winning that one, 2-1, thanks to a goal from uh, Julia Rutter. So very, uh, you know, a a good reminder of what this team is capable of. Um, But still, it is the courage. We know there's a ton of quality there. I know they're not in the best form at the moment. It does seem like defensively they've been kind of wide open uh, of late, which is not really their norm. This is something that Ashley Hatch and I talked about briefly towards the end of our interview. But yeah, they they are still a formidable foe. Any team that can put Lynn Williams and Dabinia and Casey Murphy and Abby Ursig and Jess McDonald out on the field is going to be good. Um, And that is who the courage are. So um, this should be a pretty a pretty remarkable game. Just the second home playoff game in Spirit history. Maybe you're like me and you were at the first one, which was played in cold and rainy conditions at the Plex, which was a game that the Spirit ended up in overtime. They survived a uh, very memorable, uh, terrifying moment uh, just in, I want to say, the 89th or 90th minute with Kristen Press facing an open goal, uh, hitting the crossbar, letting that game go to extra time, where Francisco Ordega, uh, that's a, this is a, this little diversion is definitely for the Franny lovers listening in, uh, scored the winner, sent them to a game that we're, we're not going to talk about any further, but yes, uh, home playoff record all time, one win, zero draws, zero losses. So hopefully we're talking about a second playoff win. Uh, if the spirit were to advance, they would be going on to face OL rain in Tacoma for the third time this year. And that's something that's a venue the Spirit have won at twice. They've been there twice this year. This year they've won two different kind of games, but they've won both times. 
So the path to the championship is not impossible for this team, which given the way things were going, the fact that they had a midseason coaching change, given that for a period of time, the coaching staff was two people, really, really remarkable. Uh, the team's been through so much. We've, we've all talked about, we've all been thinking about it. If you're listening to this podcast, you certainly don't need to be told how much the spirit had been through on and off the field. So the fact that they're even in the playoffs is remarkable and not just in the playoffs, but it's kind of hard to argue that they aren't a team that can really go far. Uh, we have evidence. It's not just a, a hopeful sort of thing. So hopefully this is the beginning of uh, an amazing run. We'll see this. This team is capable of, of doing that, though, in, in my opinion. But to go back a second to some of the off the field goings on, I would be remiss if we didn't take a second on all of that. And it is it is a lot. Um, so I'm going to stick because I don't want this to be a 17 hour podcast, which is, you know, this the last few months of the spirit probably require a full full production staff doing a full series uh, uh, podcast on the whole thing. But right now, well, what Plex Weather consists of is me uh, in my spare time. So um, we're going to kind of unfortunately have to give short shrift to a lot of the news that has gone on lately and stick to one specific thing that just came out, I want to say literally yesterday. Uh, this is, I can't tell time still. I'm my Ability to know when something happened is completely broken and maybe never, maybe never going to work right again. Um, But this is news from The Athletic from uh, Steph Young and Pablo Maurer reporting this. I'm recording this on the 4th. So this was reported on the 3rd that the spirit are in what are is being reported as exclusive sale negotiations with the St. James, um, which is I don't know if you've been out there. I have been out there to watch DC United train uh, in winter when the weather conditions don't allow for them to practice outdoors. The St. James is this massive sports training facility. It is the size of a gigantic mall um, is the best way I would put it. It's big enough where they have a full 11 v 11 sized field in there. And it's like one sixth of the footprint of this place. So they, the St. James is looking to purchase the spirit. The St. James is backed by an investment firm called Kane International, which is in turn, and I'm actually quoting from the piece now, in turn is backed by a holding company, Eldridge Industries. That is the company founded by Ted Bailey, who uh, the Washington Post reported was interested in uh, purchasing the spirit uh, last week. So the, the details of who is looking to purchase has turned into like a weird American style business uh, shell game where you have to go through the layers of um, it's not just a person going with money to a place. It's companies backed by companies backed by holding companies, et cetera. But apparently according to this report from the athletic um, the letter of intent to buy the team places a valuation uh, of the club at 16 million which is very fascinating because there are other reports or other sources within this report saying that why Michelle Kong, her, and uh, by, by the way, I, I'm saying Kong because I've, I've heard her pronounce her last name and it is uh, Ong rather than Ang. Um, so just a, a note for everyone on that one. But yes, uh, why Michelle Kong's offer to purchase the club would value the spirit at 21 million. Um, according to at least one source speaking to uh, Steph and Pablo for their report. I think another source just just left it at significantly higher, 
which I feel like $5 million out of 21 is significant. But yes, using those figures, it is a pretty remarkable development. There's a lot in this piece. I'm going to link to it in the the, um, show notes. Uh, Make sure you go read it. Um, There is a ton of information in, in this piece, but the broad strokes are that not only is this an exclusive sale negotiation that would lower the valuation of the team, which for a, a single entity enterprise like NWSL would in turn damage the valuation of every other club in the league. If you're the owner of the Chicago Red Stars or if you're the owner of the Houston Dash or any other club in the league, you probably don't want a sale elsewhere in the league to go for I mean, the difference between 16 and 21 million, uh, that's a third of, you know, that's about 33% almost uh, increased value. Um, you don't want that to happen because that that then lowers the valuation of your club by a, a chunk of change, uh, more money than I'm ever going to see. So I'm very curious to know what the league thinks about this, uh, whether they would sign off on this kind of thing, because it seems uh, almost like something that you would never sign off on uh, if you were in their shoes, quite frankly. But again, I, I've never sold a sports team, so maybe I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. There is also something fairly disturbing in here uh, in which the the report notes that Kong's ownership of the spirit may not be as solid as it was before, in part because her right of first refusal may, and I'm saying may because the report does not say this is conclusively done, but may have been changed. It may have been rescinded. Um, they have one source telling them that it had been rescinded, but one source, you know, sometimes these things are cloudy. So that is something we don't know for sure. And another thing we don't know for sure is that there may be something called a drag along clause, which basically would force all of the spirit shares to be sold, including Kongs, even if she didn't want to sell them. She's not quoted in the piece, so it's hard to say for sure. But yes, this this is a report you definitely should read. And, you know, it comes with some good news, which is that apparently this St. James bid uh, is based around the idea of retaining the team in Washington. This is not a plan to move the team elsewhere. That part is good. I don't know how, if you're listening to this show, if you're the kind of person that would listen to this show, I don't know if you're necessarily pleased with any of the rest of what's in this report, but it's important for you to read it uh, and to know what's going on on that front. And again, it'll be in the show notes. I advise you to read it, subscribe to The Athletic. They're actually paying people to cover women's soccer, uh, which is an incredibly rare thing in the world. So that's a that's a that's a thing that I feel you should do. In any case, that's the latest news on the spirit. It's been a remarkable run of late, uh, good in bad ways. Uh, we have more stuff, written stuff coming out at Black and Red United. I stopped doing one of them to do this segment right now, uh, which hopefully will be out Friday sometime. Uh, Andre Carlisle also has something that he's written that I need to uh, set up to publish uh, very soon. So we've got a lot coming uh, heading into this game. After the game, no matter how it goes, we'll have more. Hopefully, we get more games to continue to have more. And the podcast will, now that the schedules of everyone are a little friendlier to uh, sleeping and eating and maybe like sometimes going outside, 
it also means that there should be more episodes of this podcast coming very soon. But until then, I'll, I'll leave that ramble to the end of the show. Right now, let's roll into my uh, chat with, again, the Golden Boot winner, Ashley Hatch. For the first time on this podcast, the 2021 NWSL Golden Boot winner, Ashley Hatch, welcome to Plexweather. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, congratulations, first of all, uh, I guess on the award and, and the season, um, uh, getting into the playoffs, uh, it's, it's, things are going well, it seems like. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been a good season on the field and I'm super, um, proud of my team and what we've been able to accomplish and I'm excited to continue the journey this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I have to start with the, the biggest question on my list. I have to get it out of the way right up front. Uh, what was your Halloween costume? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I was a like 80s, like I was a part of an 80s running group. So me, my okay. husband, Julia Rodar and her husband and then some of my friends, we were all kind of dressed up in like fun runway and we were a running group. <laughs> okay. I think, I think I saw Julia's costume with the, um, yeah. the, the, like the reflective neon kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Which is, which is <laughs> pretty good. A- that. That's a good one. Um, yeah. Who, who for for you for your, I don't want to get you in trouble with the rest of the team, but you, I am going to ask you to pick uh, who had the best costume. Oh man, that's hard. Everyone did such a good job. I think mm-hmm. I want to say Devin and Mariana definitely. I think put in the most work. They were both mm-hmm. jokers, and they had really good like face paint, and like they did their hair and their costumes were like on point. Um, so I would say they were up there, but also Sayori Takarada. Um, she was Jesse from Woody and she just looked adorable. So (laughs) (laughs) those two are at the top of my list. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I I know, um, I know Mariana also watched uh, the warmups and possibly the entire game in a mask (laughs) at the stadium, which, uh, is real dedication. Um, so (laughs) I I, want to give a, a shout out to that. I'm a huge Halloween person. So, um, uh, of course, this year my my costume was just reporter because um, yeah, I was up in the one. press box. Uh, I, I think I was doing all right. Um, <laughs> maybe next year I'll show up in a costume to report, and and then Jordan will have to ask me to leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, Mariana was definitely dedicated. I saw her during mm-hmm. warm ups too, and I was like, oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't <laughs> scare any children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we couldn't figure out at first. Um, you know, we saw you see someone come out in a mask and is just sort of standing around the players, and it's like, okay, that's definitely a player warming up. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like me and and Andre uh, were both trying to like count players and see like who could that be. Um, <laughs> that's funny. And uh, we, we eventually, I, we I will give us credit. We did figure it out. Um, it just nice. took us a while. Um, nice. <laughs> this is a the glamorous press box life. Is these are the kind of things you do before kickoff? Yeah, <laughs> um, sounds like. Fun. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, I, okay, the, the the serious questions now. Um, the Halloween the Halloween portion of the show. I think I think I can put that put that to the side. Um, obviously, this year, you know, your your highest goal scoring total, um, consistent all year. It's not like you got hot at the end um, or anything like that. It's just a regular um, scoring goals. Pretty much like I think it's ten in twenty appearances. So it's basically every other game. Um, going back to this winter, the, obviously the off season was so long was something like 
the golden boot a specific goal that you set for yourself? Or is this one of those situations where you say, I'm just going to focus on this process. And if I do the process really well, the the goals and things like a golden boot will, will come on their own. Um, I would definitely say the thought process was the latter that you had mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think any forward you talk to in this league, like, of course, they want to get golden boot. But for me, it was just focusing on being consistent um, every single day at training and just trying to improve myself every day. And I knew that if I was able to accomplish that and focus on that each and every day, then the, I don't know, the awards, I guess the Mm -hmm. success um, as golden boot and, you know, making the playoffs and all that, that would follow. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of my thought process and that's what I tried to do. Um, I know, you know, speaking with the other reporters around the league and, and all this kind of stuff um, where we're, you know, we, we get to see games and that's pretty much it. So we're just trying to figure out um, how players can do and, and what they're capable of based only on this. You know, we, we see 90 minutes of your week and you guys obviously put in so much. Um, all the talk coming into the season, there was a certain sort of uh, people seem to have, at least in my read, kind of an idea of your style of play and and the service that you needed to be at your best. And there was a certain very, it's felt very specific to me. Um, But I went through your goals. I watched all of them uh, to write about it for Black and Red United. And the thing that hit me right away was like, these are all pretty different goals. There, There isn't a lot of similarity. It's not like you're seeing the same clip over and over and it's just the the opponent changes. so I know that that's a product of all this work that you put in um, coming into the off season last year with all that time ahead of you, a, a lot of it spent, you know, everyone having to isolate. It's not, yeah, I know last winter for me was not a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> what, um, what were you focusing on in this off season? Were there, were there specific things where you said, I need to add this to my game or I need to sharpen this aspect of what I'm doing to, to, um, score a, a wider range of goals? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think, um, I think I've, I've been trying to unlock these parts of my game for a while now at the professional level. Um, and I, I've been working a lot with um, our now head coach, Chris Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I worked with him a lot last year on just being able to score from anywhere and practicing shots and crosses and volleys and just being able to have an eye for the goal no matter where I am on the field Mm -hmm. and so it's been a a long process of just getting that getting to the point where it's habitual and just like I still and I still know that I have more room for improvement and I can Mm -hmm. continue to get better um, and fine-tune some things Um, but yeah it's been I think since last offseason that I've been watching film of myself with Chris and just looking more for opportunities in practice to either spark an attack or to, you know, create a goal myself. So Mm. it's definitely been a long time coming and it's nice to see (laughs) some of the hard work pay off, but I definitely know that it's not over yet. And I'm still pushing to get better in a lot of those areas. Mm. Uh, You know, I I know when people, you know, anyone that's played, you think, okay, if I want to get better at this, I have to just go do some reps. I have to, you know, if I want to shoot with my left foot, I have to actually shoot with my left foot a a bunch of times. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I know from speaking with Chris that um, some people might be, it, it seems surprising how granular some of these things can get. Um, Chris mentioned um, for a thing that I'm working on that is about defending, um, even going back to talking to players about how to get their feet set to leap for a, a header to clear the ball, um, mm-hmm. something that specific. Um, so I was wondering how granular um, that process gets for you in terms of um, not just, you know, shooting. People think, OK, you swing your foot at the ball and, and you swing it hard and it goes towards the goal. Um, mm-hmm. But the mechanical side, it seems almost like um, something that could be very hyper specific or it could be something that you're sort of uh, maybe leaving in the moment for yourself. I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Um, that's a great point. And I think one thing that Chris has been so great at helping me is paying attention to those little details that people don't normally pay attention to. Like, for example, one thing that we like he harped on a lot for me last year um, mm-hmm. was my starting position, um, just starting on the back line. And then also like my body language, like, did I look like I was ready to run? Do mm-hmm. I need to run a second sooner? Like, what's my movement before I actually start running. So a lot of people see the end product, but most of the times for me, the actual finish is more of just a, a, I don't know, reading the situation quickly in a reaction, but it was like, what did I do that led me to be in that position at that specific time? And Mm -hmm. I think that's um, why we've had so much more success this year is there's a lot more um, thought behind um, my runs and a lot more purpose behind what I'm doing before I even get the ball. So mm. that's, that's helped me a ton. And then finishing, um, we just get, just getting more reps in practice has really helped. I don't think you can exactly like replicate every situation that you are in in the game. And I think that's, what's so great about soccer is a lot of mm. it. Um, you just need to be ready, <laughs> you know, like you need to be able to react to, and read the situation quickly and execute. Mm. Um, but the more that you put yourself in push yourself to execute or to react quickly and read the situation, um, the better off you'll be. So just putting myself in those situations and forcing myself to finish quick, like quicker or finish with pressure um, has helped me in the game a lot more. It's, it's funny you say it. Cause it's making me now that I've, I've just watched all your goals. So recently um, you mentioned sometimes having to react in the moment and, and just be present enough to, to, you know, have yourself collected to do the job. And I'm thinking of that. There was that goal against, um, I want to say Orlando where the ball gets blocked right in your path and you just had to sort of reflexively get a foot on it. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's the kind of thing that, um, I don't know that that's, uh, it's always kind of remarkable to me when, because we see crosses that come in and people get surprised by them and then they don't, um, they can't do the right thing in time and their shot gets blocked or, or whatever. Um, And that was a, you know, kind of a perfect example um, of that, that level of just being present and being able to adapt um, to a kind of a weird situation. Um, It's it's fresh in my mind. Um, I I do ask, speaking of individual goals, um, do you have a a favorite goal from this season? Is there one goal that, that really was uh, special for you? Uh, Oh, I would definitely say the 10th goal. Um, Mm. I mean, it, it's easy to remember that one because it's the freshest in my mind. But I think that that one was um, – I remember at halftime, 
uh, Lee, one of our assistant coaches, was he came up to me and he was like, you had so many like good opportunities like around the 18 to shoot the ball, like shoot mm-hmm. the ball. And I was kind of like, I don't know, like him saying that kind of like gave me even more of a green light. And I was like mm-hmm. really looking for that next opportunity to shoot the ball. Um, and then I found it and it <laughs> ended up being one of my favorite goals ever. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it was just, I, I had the confidence to um, look for the opportunity and find it, even though it was not the clearest of opportunities, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you were off on the run, and it was kind of like one-on-four, um, which uh, is is not, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, going back to what I said before, there's kind of the the idea of how you play, which is more in the box, um, more getting in behind. Um, and so turning that situation into a goal certainly was a, um, I think it, I think it was, you know, it's goals from outside the box are always kind of a surprise because they just don't happen all that much. But um, the, the, the surprise of you turning the one in four into a goal uh, at that point in that game, I think was a, you know, I know I talked to some fans after this game and they were even, they were still talking about it after the, this past weekend. Um, so uh, that's a, that was, I kind of expected that to be the answer, but uh, you know, it's an interesting <laughs> insight, especially I remember uh, Lee Wynn for the, for the people that don't follow MLS that do follow the spirit. Um, if you don't, didn't follow MLS, he was a, a very much like a possession midfielder. Um, it's kind of funny to me that, that he's like out there, he's like, you got to shoot, you got to shoot. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that, that's, that's pretty cool. It's um, kind of a, uh, kind of dovetails into my my last question about goal scoring um which isn't really a goal scoring question it's a shoe question because that's something this podcast does every time um i noticed going through the photos that kelly piper uh shoots for for our site um that recently you've been wearing i I don't want to say golden boots they're like a golden rod uh (laughs) like a golden rod shade of yellow um was that intentional? Were you trying to like manifest the golden boot uh, or was it just that you liked the way they looked? That's a funny question. I never even thought about that, but no, they just, just happened to be the cleats that I got at the beginning of the season and I liked them. So I got them again okay. towards the end of the season. So yeah, just, just a coincidence, but that's mm-hmm. funny that you noticed that. <laughs> we, we got a, I don't know if, if, if the folks at, at uh, the fine folks at Nike are listening, maybe they should uh, they should make this a thing. I don't know how we can get this to happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so so Nike uh, get I guess get to work if you're listening. <laughs> make some calls. Um, I, I was hoping we could switch gears a little bit. Um, the last time you and I spoke at all, it was it was after one of the recent games, and you and Aubrey talked uh, quite a bit about the NWSLPA side of things. Um, mm-hmm. For people that don't know, that are listening to this, you're one of the Spirits team reps. Uh, you and Aubrey have that have that role. Um, I, I guess I wanted to start with like a real broad question, which is just what what does that what does that mean for you? What what goes into that uh, role uh, for you on a day to day or week to week or however it works? Yeah, um, so being a player rep for the Spirit um, entails just being a point of reference for the players, mm-hmm. between the players and the Players Association. So, um, I mean, most generic stuff is like if there's 
a newsletter or something that we all need to sign or be aware of or just getting people informing people of the PA and encouraging them to sign to be a member of the PA. Um, mm. So like on a regular year or season, like that's what that entails, just being that middleman, um, relaying information, being a part of, you know, um, board of reps meetings. Um, but this year, obviously with the, the CBA going on, there's been a lot more communication Mm-hmm. Um, and just being a part of, you know, bargaining agreements and just talking <laughs> over Zoom, mm-hmm. listening, um, being just aware of what's going on so that if players do have questions um, or concerns or any sort of input, um, we can relay that information to the PA and so we can do our best to represent every single player in this league. So mm-hmm. that's what that looks like. Um. So, so I know from that that post game that you, you and Aubrey both kind of joked that this year there's been so much more interest in everything <laughs> with the PA than ever before. Um, obviously yeah. for for some really important reasons. Um, but that this is something that you wouldn't have gotten into without interest before this season. Um, so mm-hmm. what what played into that? What what drew you to uh, step up for for taking that extra work on? Um, I mean, we've every year where we usually have kind of like an intro to the PA meeting with our team. And we obviously have Tori, one of the presidents, a part of mm-hmm. our team. And so she's done a great job of like informing us of things that are going on and seeing all the work and the effort that she puts in to the PA and understanding how important it, it really is for all of us players in the league. I um, just really wanted to be a part of it and help in any way that I could. And I knew that it would be, I would be rubbing shoulders with some great people and learning a lot from them. Um, Mm -hmm. So that I, that's kind of what initially sparked my interest. And then there happened to be like an opening um, this year for a rep and Tori asked me if I wanted to be um, a part of it. And I said, of course. So that's kind of how that all came to pass. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're thinking of that, thinking of, um, how much has gone into that this year for, you know, the players as a whole, and then, uh, uh, the PA in particular, um, dealing with, you have the CBA, which has always been this whole year. It's been a thing. It it didn't just pop Mm -hmm. up at the end of the season, but obviously so many other issues came up, um, with, you know, some, some really bad situations here and North Carolina and, and elsewhere, um, how how have you and and the other PA folks you know this is you know when I said extra work it really is uh kind of it seems from afar like a a big burden to have to carry right now um how have you been dealing with that how have you been able to sort of um see yourself through that and yet also you still have to go to training you still have to go out in front of a stadium of people that expect you to play well and and then do your best to do that mm-hmm. yeah it it definitely has been a lot this year, and I think um, the reason why we've been able to do it is we have, I mean, Megan Burke's awesome. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. been taking um, the lead and been doing a really good job of understanding that we, um, like, the CBA is really important. We also need to play, so just, like, striking a balance, and we have, there's so many people on the board of reps, so just people taking the load when they feel like they can take the load, and then basically stepping away if they feel like they can't or they need a break. Um, and everyone's been so supportive of like 
um, okay, you guys have a game this week. Like, let's like turn this off. You don't think about it. Like people who do like have a, a buy, whatever, mm-hmm. like we will, you know, continue this conversation. And so it's been like, people have been very aware of obviously the needs that we have as athletes to be able to have the mental capacity to compete at our best. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say that there's been games where people were running on some low fumes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the most important part is that we are all, we've all been here for each other and that we're like 100% accepting of people who can't put in the time or can't put in the time, whatever it is. And I think that's why we've been able to do it. It definitely hasn't been easy, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of how we've made it work. <laughs> it's It's... I can only, I mean, I know on our side with how the media side of things, just the the way the schedule set up, there was a lot of like, there's a big gap. And then there's all of a sudden a bunch of games and then covering the spirit, there was not a lot of news. And then all of a sudden it was, uh, <laughs> was and has been nonstop. Um, and to, yeah. this week feels like a month uh, from our side. <laughs> and but then when I put it in the context of the player side of it, it's like, you know, it, it's almost like uh, my schedule probably felt very, very low key whereas uh on your side of things it, it's i can only imagine it's been just a non-stop uh barrage of of stuff to deal with um so yeah i'm, I'm kind of still kind of blown away that uh that anyone's even still like getting out for training and being like yeah i can i can play a <laughs> soccer game today um yeah so that's uh that's that's just really re- it's a really remarkable thing it's not really a question it's just uh i, I couldn't help but say it um well, thanks. We appreciate you recognizing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I we talked about this right beforehand, um, and I couldn't I couldn't help but bring it up as well that there's a maybe a similarity between you and I. Uh, I grew up. My dad was a woodworker, um, and I noticed last year uh, that you and your husband were uh, doing some woodworking. Um, he's uh, doing some like real professional grade stuff and uh and you were doing some some work to help what 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 was that like for you what what uh what were you up to and uh are there any are there any things that you you and him helped uh make that you worked on together that are like a point of pride for you yeah that's a really good question so my husband his dad is a custom home builder so he is very (laughs) very skillful in that area and i help him with that with whatever he needs help with um, like mm-hmm. sanding edges and staining <laughs> he does all the real heavy lifting but um two i think it was either last year or two years ago we um kind of were in a like a utah like christmas um it was like a homemaking show basically where people come and they buy like homemade goods and so that was like okay. our first like show that we did together and then ever since then we've kind of just been making stuff for friends and then we have stuff in our home and my husband um this last year recently made like this mountain plaque um it's like a like this plaque that has like mountains on it but it's all made out of wood like it's really cool Mm -hmm. maybe i'll have to send you a picture um but we just put it on our wall and it's really special to us because it's kind of like a piece of home Mm -hmm. for us like utah um because we definitely miss the mountains being out here Mm -hmm. um and so that's one of our favorite pieces and then we also have He's really good at make, making um, these like hexagon um, shelves. They kind of look like honeycomb. Okay. Um, but we also have that hanging up in our house. And those are kind of like our two staples that 
everywhere we've lived, we've had we've had those hexagon shelves up, and now this mountain plaque is a new addition. Okay, that those both sound really cool. I I do want to see the uh, the the mountain plaque, and I know um, the honeycomb is kind of a, a Utah symbol as well. So yeah. um, uh, it's kind of it's interesting that you bring this up because this is a question I didn't even write down, but that I had been thinking of asking. Um, and you just you jarred my memory here. Um, coming from that part of the world, uh, and you're living here in the mid Atlantic, which is, I can only assume I've never been, uh, to Utah or Arizona. Um, I can only assume it's very different. Um, <laughs> yeah. how, what are, what are the major differences? What are the things that are like, this is pretty cool being out here. And what are the things where you're like, I, I, I can't wait to, to get a chance to go visit home. Um, that's a good question. Um, Jeff and I have really enjoyed living out here. It's been fun. Mm -hmm. The weather is definitely different. The humidity is something that I don't think I'll ever get used to. Mm -hmm. um, but we, re we do really enjoy being able to go into the city and see all the monuments. And whenever people do come visit us, we love taking them to the city because it's really cool to see people's reactions to the monuments for seeing them the first time. So um, I really enjoy being around um, lots of um, history and historical things and it's really cool to um, go to all the museums and stuff because you can't mm -hmm. really get that anywhere else mm -hmm. um, but we definitely miss the mountains and for me the desert in Arizona and like the access to just like go go off the grid I guess you could say yeah <laughs> um, there's lots of like um like hiking and camping and trails like everywhere in Utah and Arizona. So that's one thing that we're both really looking forward to in the off season is just to be able to get off the grid a little bit quicker <laughs> than you would yeah. out here. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. have to, you don't have like a two and a half hour drive to yeah. <laughs> uh, Harper's Ferry or what have you. Um, yeah. I can imagine. Um, it's always interesting to me, the, the experience for players that are from, a part of the country or a part of the world that's much different from what what I'm used to. Um, I know I've I've talked to Andy a couple of times about um, players that are from elsewhere coming here and dealing with driving out here. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, you know, it's its own its own special uh, animal. Uh, I'll yep. I'll be I'll be nice about it. Um, <laughs> it's it's its own special uh, adventure every single time. Um, so I also wanted to ask a little, um, this has kind of come up on the show, there's a recur another recurring theme, um, but it's because there are a bunch of players on the team who like to bake. Um, <laughs> and I know, I know you're one of the bakers. Um, what's, what, what have, if you've had time, I mean, obviously we just talked about how, how busy things have been. Um, is there anything you've had time to bake lately that you've been especially uh, proud of? <laughs> that is a good question. Unfortunately, I haven't baked anything recently it was funny Aubrey was joking with me the other day because she brought like pumpkin chocolate chip cookies in for like making playoffs mm -hmm. and she was like Hatch we haven't had you make us anything like <laughs> this year or recently like I think you're overdue and I was like oh mm -hmm. no I need to I need to make something soon my husband made uh, Muddy Buddies for a Halloween yeah. party so I can't take credit for that but I do have these like um, Oreo balls. They're kind of like cake pot balls, but they're mm -hmm. really good. And I made them last year for the girls. So I think I'll make them this year sometime. Just got to find the right time to bring them in. But that's my next, right. I think, 
my next uh, baked good for them. <laughs> nice, nice. That's uh, that's that sounds pretty good. I'm, I'm a huge Oreo fan, so uh, um, I I would certainly, if I were in their shoes, I would be like, that sounds great. Um, I yeah. Can't, I, <laughs> I, I would hope that they're, you know, also not just like knocking on your door every day and saying like, when's it, when are they going to be ready? When are they going to be ready? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, thank goodness they're not doing that because they'd be disappointed. Yeah. It's, it's been a crazy season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess, I, I guess my, my, my final set of questions here really is looking ahead to this uh, playoff game, which, um, we barely even talked about it. You, you guys made the playoffs. It's the first time in five years, um, which is a huge deal. I know um, I had a bunch of uh, a bunch of fans asking me during the game, like, what what is what do the scores mean? Like, is this going to you know, is it going to be at home? What's happening? Um, how how much of a point of emphasis uh, within the group was that coming into this final game of um, not just, you know, obviously you play to win every game, but, you know, to, to make sure that you're bringing the playoffs uh, back to DC and, and uh, getting, getting that at least one more home game, hopefully. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, I guess the way they've got it set up, it would be um, only one, but still getting that one more is, is a, it's only the second time it ever happened. Yeah. Uh, it was huge. We, um, we wanted to make the playoffs. We made the playoffs and then we wanted to make sure that we had a home game and we were able to do that. So that was, kind of the sequence of of our mm-hmm. goals as a team and so that game was really important um for us to win so that we could you know bring a playoff um game here so i'm really excited and i i love playing on Audi field i know all the girls do as well so um i think it'll definitely play to our advantage being able to play at home in front of our mm-hmm. home crowd um just thinking of you know the, the whole team obviously one of the younger teams um and it also means that between the youth on the team and then also um, the fact that, you know, the spirit haven't been to the playoffs in a little while, it means there's only a few players that have any playoff experience. I know back in, in your rookie year, you got a taste of that. Um, Have you, have you had any, is there any sort of like something from that experience that you can kind of bring to um, the younger players as sort of a, you know, a, a thing to keep in mind as you build up to this game? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, ha- I mean, I've definitely reflected on my past playoff experience and I do remember actually in the championship game, we, we lost. And I remember thinking like, okay, like I can't wait to get back to work and get back here next year and win the thing. <laughs> And then lots has happened since then. They haven't been back since. And so um, I think, you know, for me, it's really important. I know that, um, especially for these younger girls, it'll be really important whether they recognize that or not right now. And I think mm-hmm. um, my job and all the other veterans' job is to help them recognize, like, how great of an accomplishment it is to make the playoffs in this league and, um, to not take it for granted. So I think um, that's definitely the message that we're trying to send to the, the younger ones is like, this is a big deal. Um, let's, you know, we want to continue this and make mm-hmm. it as far as we can or all the way, you know? And so um, I think just helping them realize that will definitely um, benefit us all. And I think some of them do. Um, but I remember when I was a rookie, like you just kind of like, on for the ride, I go, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Never experienced mm-hmm. this before. 
Um, so I think it's important um, that we slow down and just like recognize where we're at and where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because there's, you know, there's nothing quite like, I, I know if you've, anyone that makes it to this league, obviously you're going to be an elite college player or for the internationals, they're literally playing for their national team. So everyone has gotten very used to winning on a regular basis, you know, in high school and club and um, youth national teams and then collegiately. Um, and But there's still, you know, there's nothing quite like the the expectation when you hit that that pro level the amount of attention and everything um so so yeah that that does strike me it makes a lot of sense that it's a you know kind of having to you know collect yourself a little bit and not get swept up in in everything because it can happen really fast i mean the the game's only four days away and i feel like uh the play the the game against houston ended like a couple of hours ago and it's already we're already almost there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it goes fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of that that game, you know, looking at North Carolina, um, a team that you guys have obviously you've played so much. Um, even last year after the fall series, you had games against them um, that were just, you know, friendlies effectively. But, uh, you know, them being a nearby team, it's a recurring thing. And it's it's felt to me like, something of a rivalry is there because of how often the games are played. And there was that game in 2019, the last game at the Plex uh, that, that you guys won. And it felt like a bigger deal than just winning a regular game. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious when, when you look at playing the courage, the fact that they play, you know, is a pretty distinctive style of play. Uh, They play with their box midfield. They, their games have been wide open. I think their last game, of the season had like 39 shots or something like that combined between the two teams. Um, yeah. What is, what plays into that for you as a, as a forward, um, you know, looking at a game where the other team is willing to be so wide open where most weeks you're not really getting that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm excited. I playing North Carolina is um, it's always a challenge because they're such a good team, but I always really look forward to playing them because, um, they're usually really exciting games. And mm-hmm. the past couple of games that we played against them, I mean, we've won, but it was like, oh my gosh, like it was definitely not an easy win. And so mm-hmm. um, I think we're all excited for the opportunity to play them at home um, in the playoffs. I think um, we have the advantage at home, but I think having a the style that they play and, you know, them being more um, attacking minded and open, I think, you know, being able to capitalize on the transition moments that we do have um, is excites me. And I, I know that it excites our other forwards because that, mm. that definitely plays to their strengths. So um, I'm looking forward to playing, you know, our style and executing when we get the chance. So it'll be, it'll be an exciting game and I'm really excited to play them. Mm. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, oh, I, I was about to forget. Um, my my last actual question, and I meant to bring this up when I we were talking about shoes, and I kind of completely blanked out. Um, you have been doing for I, I don't know actually how long, um, but a, a program called uh, Boots from Pros, um, where you've been distributing, uh, you know, used but still very usable shoes uh, to players mm-hmm. in the area. Um, can you maybe you know tell the tell the folks that listen to this show uh, what goes into that? What inspired that idea? 
Yeah, definitely. So I've been doing, this will be my second year of Boots from Pros. Um, last year, the first year of it was more difficult than anticipated because of COVID and the lockdown and like um, not as much access to the youth game as I would have liked. Um, but essentially, I I mean, us as professional players, we go through a lot of cleats. Some we wear until they can't be worn anymore and some we wear them once or twice because they don't like the way they fit and mm. they're basically like perfectly new and so I've had a I had a few pairs in my closet from I think like past like U23 camps or something um mm. that I just like, didn't like the style and maybe wore them once and I wanted to like give them to like a youth player who I could actually like use them and um probably needed them because cleats are so expensive so mm -hmm. I posted I like sent I did a story I think I did a couple Instagram stories like explaining like I was trying to find a youth player that could use these cleats or someone who needs them that maybe maybe can't afford them themselves but like loves to play soccer and so I got a lot of inquiries from either like parents who are coaches or high school coaches who said that they had a player on their team who you know duct tapes their cleats and I've definitely been there before and mm. so that's kind of where Boots from Pros was born <laughs> through that mm. um, experience. I was like, this is a great opportunity for um, us as players of the spirit to give our lightly used or even unused boots to players um, in our community who maybe can't um, afford them. So um, I wanted it to be a donation that was a little more intimate. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I thought of the idea of, you know, um, a youth player receiving their cleats from like a specific player with a note from the specific player and then a note from Boots and Pros that essentially says like, um, you know, we want to give back to our community. So like when you get the opportunity, like always, you know, kind of look for others that you can serve mm -hmm. when you get the opportunity. And so that's where that, is, that came from. And I've donated about probably 20 pairs um, in the two years that it's, it's been alive <laughs> so that's um hoping to continue to keep doing it mm -hmm. no that's that's really cool and and you know it kind of uh it kind of hits home because you know i know um you know like you said players are having to keep their shoes going you know one way or another it's the middle of the season and you know i remember working in a, a shoe store a soccer shoe store when i was in college and kind of this is long. I'm old enough now where it's long enough ago where the prices weren't so bad, but they were about to start to take that turn. And now if I look through what's out there, it's like $250, $300 for yeah. the, the top end shoes. And it's like, you know, who, mm -hmm. who can afford this? So um, yeah. that's, that's extremely cool. Uh, I hope, uh, hope it keeps going. I think um, I listened to your appearance on attacking third and you mentioned possibly uh, scaling this up and making it, um, something that's not just you doing it here, but a kind of a thing that's happening throughout the league. Yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Um, mm -hmm. Just like getting a, a Bootstrom Pros like organization in every single NWSL market, because I know that um, every market has players that, you know, don't know what to do with their cleats and um, those cleats could be donated to youth players. And I also would like to bridge the gap between, youth players and um, NWSL players because when I was younger mm -hmm. I didn't have the opportunity to meet a female professional soccer player so I think it'd be really cool to just create those relationships within our market and I think every market could use it so maybe one day <laughs> yeah yeah I hope so um, 
Yeah, that's that's a really cool idea. Um, well, that's it. Th- those are my questions, Ashley. Is there anything you wanted to to share with the listeners before I let you go? Um, no, I think that's it. Thanks so much for having me. And that's the show. Thanking Ashley one more time for her, for her time. Uh, that's not the best phrasing for me, uh, saying time that many times and doing it again just after. But here we are. I thought it was really it was really interesting chat to to figure out more of how she's improved as a player, how she's really hit this this level where she could lead the league in goal scoring, um, which, uh, you know, I'm sure on some level she thinks is a team achievement, but is also a tribute to the work she's done. So I am very, very impressed with her season and uh, also just very glad to get a chance to talk to her about about that and some other things. Hopefully the interview was as fun for you as it was for me. But yeah, that's that is the show. I don't have anything more for you. There's not a second interview coming, at least on this episode. There are more. There will be more shows, but right now this episode's done. Thank you for listening in. Uh, you can find the podcast website at plexweather.pinecast.co. That's where all the episodes are. You can listen to every single one. You can download them if you would like. There is a tip jar at the bottom of the website if you would like to financially support Plexweather. That is the way to do it. Um, I would greatly appreciate it if you did. If you think the show has earned that, then go ahead and, and click that link and do do what you do. The po- podcast account, podcast is not a word, I don't think, uh, but podcast is. The podcast account is at PlexWeather on Twitter, all one word. That has the tweets. Uh, the episodes will be tweeted out there. You can listen to them directly from Twitter if that's what you would like. The my personal account is at Jason DC Soccer, where you'll find more of what I have to say about the spirit than Plexweather. I've got too many accounts to run, so that is where most of the spirit stuff will will be contained. Game day tweets, links to my articles, all that kind of stuff. Um, I apologize for the non soccer stuff, which is generally to amuse myself, but soccer stuff I promise is me doing my best. You can listen to the podcast uh, at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, probably some others, almost certainly, but those are the big ones. If you come across a chance to rate and review the podcast, if you could do that, that would be awesome. Uh, Everyone that does every podcast you've ever listened to says that it has an impact on uh, the show and how easy it is to find within the algorithms. And as a person that is clearly not going to beat the algorithms. I would at least like them to favor my creation. So please, uh, if you can do that, that would be amazing. Get this podcast out to more people. If you are telling people about things that you like to read about, about the spirit, if they're new and you tell them directly about this podcast, uh, that maybe is the best though. That is algorithm free, which I think actually makes it better. But maybe now that I've said something negative about the algorithm, I'll be cursed by the algorithm. Algorithms, if you're listening, please don't hurt me. And on that confusing note, we're back. I'm back in form. I'm ending the show in a confusing note. Thank you for listening. I promise next week, no matter win, lose, or draw, well, there won't be a draw. Win or lose, we'll be back uh, doing a podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>